It's unfair that wealth should polarize. The wealthiest classes should get richer instead of economies becoming more and more equal and more and more symmetrical, which is a socialist ideal. You make sure that economy polarizes by shaping how people think about how the economy works. If people and voters believe that all of this polarization is natural, if they believe that the 1% of the economy actually earns its money, then, uh, oh, that's productive and we need the 1% to help us uh, uh, grow the economy so that uh, we can afford to pay our debts. That's the junk economics. Well, the government itself is public utility that's been financialized uh, in the West. Uh, the financial class, the bankers, and the uh, landlord class have taken over the government. Uh, in the United States, the financial sector has uh, waged a political war. The uh, Supreme Court. And uh, the legal system, uh, a, a group of uh, right-wing financiers uh, got together and uh, said, how do we create uh, a whole set of judges that are going to uh, support capital against labor? How are we going to do exactly what the founders of the American Constitution did and prevent a democracy from developing? That was the aim of the Constitution. They wanted to prevent democracy. They wanted America to be America for the wealthy. They wanted to make sure that slave owning was in a strong enough position to dominate the South and uh, much of the country. And so when the Supreme Court in America goes back to the original Constitution, they're called originalists, the original Constitution uh, was uh, a Constitution that does not go forward. It keeps wanting to roll back history, to roll back to the time when finance and the landlords ruled the country. That uh, has become once again the American ideal, and uh, the government is controlled largely uh, taken over by the Supreme Court because uh, Congress itself has been paralyzed by the fact that uh, although we have two parties, they're the same party. One party is sort of a racist party, the Republicans, and the other is uh, a racist party that pretends to have nice things to say about uh, the racial minorities. And they all have bad things to say about uh, Asians. So uh, the uh, basically, Citizens United ruling by the Supreme Court said that uh, po uh, political campaigns in the United States can be funded by uh, campaign contributors and uh, corporations and individuals uh, 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 working through a corporation can give as much money as they want to any political candidate. Well, the result is that uh, you have what's called the donor class in the United States. People who donate to the political campaigns of the Democratic and the Republican Party. Well, uh, the donor class is the financial class, the landlord class, the corporate monopoly class. When politicians run in a primary election to see who is going to run on the Democratic Party ticket, who's going to run for governor or senator or a congressman or president on the uh, Republicans and Democratic ticket, uh, they, uh, the donor class will give money to the politicians who promise to represent their special interests. And that's how they make sure that uh, they'll get politicians that support the banking class against labor. 
support the uh, landlord class against renters, uh, support the monopoly class against consumers. Uh, and uh, so uh, together, uh, they'll uh, say that, well, you can have either a democratic Congress uh, that serves the financial class, or you can have a financial Congress that serves the financial uh, and landlord class. Uh, you can choose exactly uh, which rulers uh, you're going to uh, have imposing neoliberalism on you. But you can't choose rulers that support the working class. You can't choose socialists uh, because uh, we throw socialists uh, in jail. That's a, a danger to uh, uh, the public. And even if the socialists, a moderate socialist like Bernie Sanders, wins uh, primary elections, we just won't count the votes for him. We'll say he lost and we'll organize groups to run against him. And uh, in America, once uh, you're elected to the Senate and the finance, then uh, the key to American Congress is who's going to be the charge of uh, the committees that are in charge of each kind of law. There's a banking and finance committee. Who's going to be in charge of that? There's an agricultural committee. There's a, a trade committee. Well, uh, the heads of each committee are, it's put up for auction and who is going to give the uh, most, uh, largest contribution of money to the Democratic National Committee that, uh, acts on behalf of the bankers and the landlord. Well, uh, whoever pays the most gets to be the committee head. So that way, the wealthy uh, donors in America get to pick who runs for the election. And once uh, you have uh, an array of congressmen and senators who are elected, uh, the, the politician that gets the most money from the finance and real estate monopoly sector gets to buy the chairmanship of the committee to make sure that the committee uh, backs the policies of the donors who put the politician in power, uh, the finance, insurance, and uh, real estate sector, uh, the fire sector. So uh, that basically is uh, how politics are run in the United States. Uh, the government has been financialized. Um, and uh, the program of both parties is to cut taxes on wealth. You, get, you uh, get rid of progressive taxation. You don't tax economic rent. You tax uh, labor uh, and industry. Uh, you don't tax rentier income. And uh, you shift the tax burden onto labor and industry. And that's uh, uh, why one of the main reasons, as I've explained, why uh, America is deindustrializing. Well, the result of all of this dominant role by the wealthiest 1% is that the donor class uh, uh, gets to determine what policies get voted for and uh, what gets supported. And if for some reason the politicians should represent the interests of their own voters, then uh, the, uh, there will be a protest. It'll go to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court will say that uh, if something is in the interest of labor, uh, who are the majority of voters, then it's unconstitutional uh, and will uh, prevent it. So the Supreme Court is very much against labor unions. Uh, it's against uh, government uh, regulation of the environment, government uh, regulation of uh, uh, preventing financial fraud and crime. Uh, you, you have essentially the financial class uh, developing into uh, a kind of 
uh, criminal, uh, criminogenic class is a word that my colleague Bill Black is uh, uh, created at the University of Missouri at Kansas City. Uh, and you have a criminogenic uh, financial and uh, landlord class, and it uh, protects itself uh, through the Supreme Court. If you're a... Uh, a burglar or a cry, a criminal in any big American city, who are you going to want as your partners? You're going to want the police as a partner. Uh, you're going to want to tell uh, the police, you know, I'm going to rob a safe at uh, this house uh, tonight. So make sure you don't go anywhere near this, uh, this house if there's an alarm. Uh, and uh, you, that's why the petty criminal will work with the, uh, uh, the police. Well, you could say that the financial class uh, works hand in hand uh, with the uh, Supreme Court and the regular courts. Uh, judges have to be elected in the United States, and their election is uh, put up uh, same way by the donor class. Uh, and of course, the politicians are. So uh, basically, you could look at uh, uh, the whole Western economy is been taken over by the warlords, uh, and if you're a financial warlords, uh, uh, then uh, you're very much like uh, the people who conquered England and France and Spain uh, and uh, the settlers who conquered America uh, in time past. So the neoliberal economic program uh, also aims, as I said, to privatize the public infrastructure. Once you sell uh, a railroad or a, a monopoly, uh, you, you uh, want to let it uh, charge as high a monopoly price as it can because it'll pay out this monopoly price in the form of dividends or it'll use its uh, monopoly income to buy its own stock and push up its stock and make money for shareholders and uh, it'll make money financially as I mentioned, by financial engineering, not by uh, industrial engineering. So the result is uh, uh, the economy polarizes more and more between a rich class, a uh, fire sector class of finance, insurance, and real estate at the top that makes money without working, uh, and a poorer and poorer, more indebted class of workers uh, and consumers uh, and voters that don't really have the power to uh, really determine who they get to vote for, because that's all determined by uh, the wealthiest uh, 1%, uh, uh, the donor class. And uh, obviously, that economic system is unfair. And uh, it's unfair that wealth should polarize. The wealthiest classes should get richer instead of economies becoming more and more equal and more and more symmetrical, which is a socialist ideal. You make sure that economy polarizes by shaping how people think about how the economy works. If people and voters believe that all of this polarization is natural, if they believe that the 1% of the economy actually earns its money, then, uh, oh, that's productive and we need the 1% to help us uh, uh, grow the economy so that uh, we can afford to pay our debts. That's the junk economics that's taught in the United States. And uh, you have uh, democratic uh, think tanks uh, work to propagandize this teaching of economic thought and uh, uh, the sort of international uh, non-governmental organizations are created all over the world uh, to promote uh, uh, teaching abroad that uh, uh, everybody needs the financial managers for the economy. You don't need politics and industry to manage finance. You need financial managers and bankers and bondholders to manage government and to manage industry. Uh, that's what people are taught is the natural economic order. And so 
you don't want to teach the history of civilization because if they understand Greek and Roman history and feudal history and uh, ancient Near Eastern history, then you realize uh, that uh, an oligarchy is what's destroyed economies, not helped it grow. So you can't teach economic history. Uh, you have to teach this idea that there's no such thing as unearned income, no such thing as uh, 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 the economic rent and that uh, the classical economists uh, talked about. And so what universities teach uh, in Western economics courses is really a, a public relations lobbying by the financial sector against labor and by the landlord sector uh, against renters and home buyers. And uh, in my most recent book, uh, The Collapse of Antiquity, I've documented how uh, political assassination and uh, revolution uh, has prevented reformers from trying to uh, rescue their economies from this economic polarization. You have the United States realizing that the way to lock in American power when uh, all of this uh, uh, junk economic teaching fails is the United States' official policy is to assassinate any foreign leader that claims to be socialist. Henry Kissinger spilled it out regarding Chile. He said, just because Chilean voters elected a socialist Allende doesn't mean that we should let him be elected. We have to assassinate him and put in a military dictatorship because the fact is America's economic economy is deindustrializing. America's economy is turning into a dark age because that's what neoliberalism does. That's what financialism does. It does what happened to the Roman Empire under the Roman oligarchy. It creates a dark age. We know we're going to lose. The only way we can hold into power is to prevent socialism from arising anywhere else. So they backed Pinochet and under Pinochet, the American uh, CIA went down and listed all the economics professors that had to be murdered, all of the advocates of land reform that had to be murdered, all of the labor leaders that had to be murdered. They created this uh, murder incorporated, is what uh, the CIA called it, all the way through Latin America to Argentina and to other countries to make sure that you had an American-backed dictator ruling. You could see what happened in Venezuela. When uh, America said, well, the Venezuelans have elected uh, a socialist, uh, immediately the, uh, they said, told the uh, uh, Bank of England, grab all of Venezuela's gold so that it can't, use, it can't spend this on uh, public health and on uh, things that the government needs. And uh, it said, we uh, get to name Venezuela's president because uh, you, you can elect whoever you want, but we have veto power over whoever you elect as president. That's why President Biden said uh, earlier this year, we must assassinate uh, President Putin. Uh, if we can only assassinate him, we have to decapitate Russia then we can return Russia to becoming the neoliberal kleptocracy that it was in the 1990s. The presidents and the State Department are very explicit. And just they've said we, we have to do that so that once we can assassinate Putin, we can carve Russia into five different countries so it can never be a force again to support China, which uh, and once it 
can uh, uh, not uh, support China, we can then go into China and divide China into five countries so it can never be socialist again. We can turn China into uh, Lithuania and Latvia and Estonia uh, and what uh, Russia was under kleptocracy. We can wreck China just like we wrecked uh, the post-Soviet economies, just like we wrecked the Chilean economy and the Argentine economy. That is the neoliberal program and that is the official U.S. foreign policy that they say in one speech after another, day after day uh, in the United States. And all of this uh, is in the public uh, domain. And it's all happened before. That's what happened uh, throughout the Roman Empire. Advocates of uh, debt cancellation and land reform got assassinated all the way from the 5th century down to uh, the assassination of Julius Caesar when the Senate worried that he was going to cancel the debts and end the financial oligarchy's uh, power over the Roman economy. He was assassinated. There was no more reform under the empire. And we all know what happened to Rome, the Dark Age. And uh, if you study economic history of uh, the West, you realize that this kind of a Dark Age and economic collapse has happened again and again when you have an oligarchy taking over the financial system and the landowning system. And that's why China's socialist policy is a threat to the United States. So uh, this is basically uh, why the world is dividing into two civilizations. We're now seeing that Western civilization has run its course. What made Greece and Rome unique in the uh, first millennium BC was it was Greece and Rome were the first countries not to have king or a ruler, a sacred king, ruling them in the public interest. Greece and Rome was were the first country, unlike China, unlike Asia, unlike every other country, to let a domestic oligarchy come over and prevent any government, uh, any king from uh, protecting the uh, economy at large and helping the economy grow. Uh, it's, uh, the Western culture, ever since Greece and Rome, have been run by an oligarchy of financiers and landlords. And uh, that is what makes Western civilization unique. And uh, uh, Asia, uh, strong point is that uh, it's been able to prevent an oligarchy from developing or when an oligarchy has developed, it's overthrown it. Uh, that was uh, it, uh, in Chinese development thousands of years ago. Uh, the merchant class was not put at the top of the economic pyramid as they were in the West. When the merchant class uh, became the banking class, uh, the Fuggers and the uh, uh, the uh, Medici, uh, they were at the uh, at the bottom, and uh, the government was run to help the economy develop, not to help the financial oligarchy get richer. That uh, contrast has been inexistent now for. 5,000 years of civilization. That's what my history books are about. And that's why uh, what's happening uh, in the discussions that China is having with uh, 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 other Asian countries, with the BRICS countries, uh, with uh, Russia and Iran, uh, uh, Central Asia, is how to create an alternative to the kind of uh, dark age deindustrialization that uh, Europe is sinking into is a dead zone and that the United States is sinking into. Uh, all you want is to be independent of the United States and the NATO West. Let NATO go its own way. You go your way. And uh, the best that you can do 
uh, is uh, be uh, separate uh, from NATO with your own set of alternative institutions uh, uh, to the uh, your own uh, uh, BRICS bank instead of the International Monetary Fund, your own development bank instead of the World Bank that is, uh, promotes uh, American uh, agricultural and industrial interests. Uh, you want uh, Asian development for Asia's benefit, not for the benefit of the United States and NATO. Uh, and this is going to uh, require a military overhead. It's going to require uh, you to uh, waste some of your economic surplus on defending yourself, but that is the cost of becoming independent from the destructive economics of neoliberalism. Uh, and uh, that uh, the fact that you are more productive uh, enables you to ultimately uh, win uh, the military war, the social war, the educational war, and the war over how people think about what civilization is all about and what is the purpose of where civilization is going. That's what my book is about. 